Warning! What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I'm Nick. I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world! Let's jump back a couple of weeks ago. All right. We discussed a story sure that did. I told to you. Yep. And it was about the White Bluff Screamer. Okay. Which, again, the White Bluff Screamer hails from the town of White Bluff, located in Dixon County, Tennessee. To those who have not listened to that White Bluff Screamer episode, please do so. But as far as a short recap, People were hearing crazy things in the valley, in the hollows. Yeah, the holler. Yeah, the specific story was a man heard a bunch of screaming outside. He ran out to try and find out what it was and perhaps kill it because it was driving his family nuts. And then he heard others screaming, followed the screams to his house where his whole family was murdered. Yeah, he had a bad night. Yeah, it was a definitely a bad night, a rough go. Now, in the conclusion of that episode, I mentioned... Um, so they were thinking like maybe it was like a cat-like creature, and then we read a story about like a goat monster. Like a lot of just random, something in the woods isn't making any sense, and people had thoughts about it, basically. Yeah. Okay. All right. So at the end of that episode, I mentioned that there may be another explanation for that folk legend, or perhaps something else that it was tied to, but that that story was a story all its own. Okay. Well, today... Is that story. All right. What truly lurks in the woods of Tennessee, a mere five miles from White Bluff. Another supernatural-ish story, like literally the town over. Okay. All right. So we begin this story, but it begins in a different time. Um, Pre-American Civil War. So, so pre eighteen sixties. So post revolutionary war. Post the revolution. That's a word that was not pronounced in any correct way. <laughs> nope. <laughs> in any it has language. No context in there. Whatsoever. <laughs> Nothing that matters. Cool. Um. Yeah. That's what's man. Not even in the into the second paragraph, and we're having some fun. Um. But yeah. Post revolution. Pre insurrection, I suppose, is an appropriate term. Um, so, well, if I, I don't know if uh, you know this or not, but trains were important. I was aware that they were pretty important. <laughs> Writing that made me laugh, and it did again. So, yeah, we're important, are important, trains matter, is my point. Yeah. They're an important form of transportation. They do a lot of stuff. They do a lot of stuff. They, they move things. They move things. Interesting. Um, again, with roads essentially non-existent during this time period outside of major cities, um, trains were the name of the game when it came to transporting or traveling any great distance. Now, in the 1830s, as track was being laid, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, so there was a hill um, that was too steep for trains. Um, you know, to lay the track going up. That sounds exciting. Right. Like, wow, that's a little much. But it was also too dangerous to, like, you know, go through. Like, you couldn't make a tunnel. My question is, how did they realize it was too steep for the train? Did they try? <laughs> oh, no. <It's> like, <laughs> like, they were laying the track. Yeah. And they saw the angle, and one guy's like, I don't know, man. Well, He's let's like, get the train out here. Let's try it. Let's see like, what happens. Yeah, let's do that. Or they, maybe they got one of those... Um, like you see in old movies, the like the I call, I call them the old up and downers, you know. Yeah. Whatever sure. those are called. I don't, I don't know what they're called. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, now they're called the old up it's and like downers. A hand cart. Yeah, that's that's probably a more appropriate term. 
So they bust out the old up and downers and like they try to go up it. And they, these guys are just like, oh, and they just came like screening backwards. Like if that was a train, that'd be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So like what's yeah, it's called a handcock. Hey, here you go. See, that sounded right. There you go. I like that. Okay. So we'll, we'll I knew use... trains were important and I knew it was called a handcock. Hey, man. Full of knowledge today. I said I like cart it. first, but it's good stuff. I'm changing what I, I said. Mean, same difference. So was the track? Oh, I already talked about track being laid. Anyways, we'll move on from there. Um, so they decided instead of going like making a tunnel or building this steep incline track, you know, apparatus, um, they decided to cut a valley right in the hill. And this was named after the man who suggested doing this, um, the McNair Cut. Now, a local settler family, the Halls, hadn't had um, established a homestead in this area in 1810. Um, the trains would come a little bit later after that, of course, but by 1810, um, the homestead was established um, by the Halls, and their neighbors were the uh, the Myatts, the Readers, uh, the Bakers, and they all did a similar thing around the same time frame. Uh, you know, again, settling the area, homesteading as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, they established a cemetery on Hall land. Um, the families intermarried and grew up there, you know, together. So again, local community things, you know, crisscross and stuff. Yep. Um, so they established that cemetery. Then the, in the, uh, the rest of the land eventually, you know, besides the cemetery was sold to the federal government, um, to the submarginal land program in connection with the recreation, recreation demonstration area program in 1935. So we jump a few, you know, century and some change. Um, government basically bought it from them. Um, but then eventually that would become a state park that was named after local iron ore magnet. Or he was called at the time, quote, Tennessee's first iron master. Montgomery Bell. Iron master sounds like it could be a band name. Dibs. Absolutely does. I would look forward to Iron Master's future projects. Yep. It's going to be that old school heavy metal style. I like it. Yeah. I could be look cool. f- forward to the first album. Mm-hmm. No idea what it would be called yet. It's a lot to ask. It's just still in its beginning stages. But Hand car blues. I don't know. <laughs> it's merging genres now. I'm still here for it. <laughs> also worth mentioning, Montgomery Bell name of um i don't know if i mention it later and if i do i'll just say it again but pre civil war he was considered to be like the richest man in america hmm. and we, we hadn't figured out oil too much yet you know, iron iron was better than gold at that point yep but there's a town that we're going to talk about which is called burns mm. so montgomery bell it was already in my mind nearby just town montgomery how do you not think of that Literal nearby town we're talking like town we're talking about today, Burns. Interesting combination of things. Mm-hmm. Very intentional, I would have to assume. Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. So, anyways, that local park would you know named after Montgomery Bell would be called Montgomery Bell State Park. He did a lot of things that weren't good. I mean, he's in Tennessee, so he owned people. He also blew apart like America's first tunnel using his slave labor. He didn't blow them apart, but I, maybe things were not good. But like um, for the forge, he like bl- he like they like blasted a hole because like the rivers aligned in a different way. There's going to be a lot of water we talk about, and so he used that as part of his forge. That's as much as I looked into it. Okay, you can still see the tunnel, but it's like falling apart. So like if you walk through it, it's like good luck. Maybe you'll be okay. Anyways, okay. Um, quote, the goals of the recreation demonstration area program were typically threefold. One, to develop land as a park. Two, to provide employment. And three, to create new parks near urban areas. The nearby area, urban area would be, you know, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, for the first goal, in some cases, the land developed was purchased from suboptimal farmers, providing some of the poorest farmers with relief. In other cases, state lands and state forests or parks were developed. In the second case, the Civilian Conservation Corps and WPA laborers received payment. And in the CCC, and Civilian, uh, Civilian Conservation Corps, mm-hmm. um, room and board. 
Finally, the residents of nearby urban areas benefited from new nearby recreation areas. A different quote from a different part of Wikipedia. Um, the Recreational Demonstration Area Program was a National Park Service program during the 1930s and early 1940s that built 46 public parks in 24 states and 397,000 acres. That's the Civilian Conservation Corps? Yeah, they help yeah. do all that stuff. Yeah. They're pretty big in our local area. Too. Yeah, which, um, Juliet, a lot of stuff. Yep. Yeah, big stuff. Pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, it's worth looking into. It's a cool, I mean, you know, giving people jobs to do to, things. To, to get out of the Great Depression. Yeah, right. It's like, kind of you a know, big deal. Funneling. It's a, a new big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Or a big new deal. A big, hey, either or, a hey, Potatoes, tomatoes, what can you do? It's all the same. By the conclusion of World War II, um, the recreational demonstration areas throughout the nation had all either become National Park Service units or been given to their states for use as state parks. Yep. Montgomery Bell State Park was given to the state of Tennessee in 1943. And he blew it up. He, I mean, he told me he blew stuff up. Oh, before, way guy, before so this. I'm just waiting for you to... Oh, he, yeah, I guess that oh, he's, was he's like done. 100 years yeah, ago. He done, yeah. yeah, he done, he done, yeah, he done, yeah. His grandchildren, yeah. great-grandchildren, yeah. blew it up. Blowing stuff up, making tunnels. Taking names and making tunnels. Weird catchphrase. It's <laughs> on our family crest. <laughs> so, I don't know if you were wondering, but for how much was the land sold? Well... To the halls in the 1930s, at least, it was sold. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tw- yeah. No, I was just trying to think. Yeah, $20 per acre for 100 acres in Two 1935. Grand? Yeah. So it's like $2,000? I think that's the math. I think so. Yeah. No math doctor, but I think literally, literally twenty times a hundred would probably be two thousand. You just add a zero. Good job, yeah. Good job, everybody. Which way you go? Kindergarten math. Yep. Nailed it. Just add the two zeros to the twenty. Bam! Bam! Boom! There we Got go. Him. Shooting stuff up, blowing stuff up, taking care of business. Yep, that's what you do. That's my family crest. What? I can't even repeat what I said. It was just a long sentence. <laughs> Shooting stuff, blowing stuff up, <laughs> taking something. care of business. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just like guns in it. Yep. I don't know. If you had an animal to pick, like next to the guns, what would you pick? Koala. Amazing. Family <laughs> crest koala with a, a, Oh my God. A double fisting. Because that's what you call somebody who has two pistols. Yeah, he's double fisting two <laughs> pistols, and it's just a koala in the middle. Where's he from? Uh, just south of Chicago. Local <laughs> Joliet. What? Yep. No one said koalas were native to the area. They are not. Hopefully no one has said that. So, that's how much, you know, again, according to a Tennessean uh, article I found in the Tennessean uh, by Josh Arnst from the Dixon Herald Archives. Now, about this park. The park is beautiful. I'd had the, quote, big spring. This is continuing from that article. With the clearest, prettiest water to quench your thirst. The family had planted corn and other uh, sub- Stenance, crops in her grandfather's bottomland. Um, I say her grandfather because we're going to mention somebody again, descended from you know the original settlers. Um, that's all they did. There was nothing else to do, said Francine Allen, a descendant of the Halls, who still has the paperwork proving the family's ownership of the cemetery. Sold the rest, kept that cemetery. The springs were named after the family, and it became known as Hall Springs, which is found within the park apparatus we have today. Um, A little description from TNVacation.com. Located only 40 minutes from downtown Nashville, Tennessee, and Dixon County, Montgomery Bell State Park serves as a natural oasis for local city dwellers and a peaceful vacation destination for travelers. Three lakes are nestled into the 3,000... 850-acre park and provide visitors the opportunity to soak up the sun on their swim beach so on their swim beach shores sure and paddle the calm waters it's a good park sounds nice peaceful relaxing exactly the area is rich with clear fresh springs and many 
many caves. Seems nice, again. Mm-hmm. But our story is not nice. Okay. Not nice at all. Why not? Well, let's start at this story's other beginning. We told you a little bit of the history, a little bit of this, you know, again, give you this little taste of the area. Yep. During the mid-1860s, the circus was coming to town. The Corn Hog Circus. Hmm. Strong name, right? Good name. Real good? Yeah. Believe in that name? Yeah. Yeah. On the only way it could. We talked about this earlier. By train. Now, some accounts say the train was heading to Nashville. Some say away from Nashville out west. Regardless. How safe and maintained do we think trains and train tracks were in the early 19th century or mid-19th century? Um, well, they were all um, self-regulated, I believe, by the railroad companies. Yeah, so do you think at they... At that s- time? So probably not. Yeah, spared no expense at keeping all these things tip-top shape? No, we don't give a shit if anybody dies. Whatever. Your Fucking fault. Yep. Personal responsibility. Good luck. You want to ride it? You ride it. You want to die? You die. You want to move? Cars don't exist. That's the thing people would say. Cars don't exist yet. What's a car? Don't know. doesn't exist. Well, we got a train car. That exists. Yeah. Oh, can I take it? Yeah, but like, good luck. Yeah, figure it out. All right. Do you want to walk or ride a horse or take this metal death trap? Well, which one's faster? Death trap. Uh, I guess I'm on Team Death Trap. Yep. Now, whether the train had its own problems or if the tracks were in bad shape, again, as things we just kind of discussed, um, or a combination of them both, this circus train, belonging to the Corn Hog Circus, careened off the tracks, and McNair cut. Boxcars flipped. People flew everywhere. Performers, animal handlers, clowns, yep. flying clowns, mm-hmm. and animals. Flying elephants? Maybe. Probably a bunch of Dumbos on that train. Yep. Well, Dumbo was an elephant and he was an animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he was. Well, animals escaped. Many. After their cages were <laughs> violently broken. <laughs> Dumbo was an elephant, and he was an animal. <laughs> That's weird and feared. Yeah. Stay spooky, everybody. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. It's just the way you said that. You I know. Like, I, I realized it after I said it. <laughs> I just wanted a segue to talk about animals. <laughs> That's literally the connections my brain meant, and I said them out loud. <laughs> All right. And there we are. <laughs> Segway completed. Done. So, these cages with those animals, they ain't containing those animals any longer, and the animals are out and about. Now, but as rough as this may sound, it was not a complete loss. Uh, the circus was able to return the locomotive to its tracks, flip those cars back on over, and the clowns were able to keep their frowns upside down, and the escaped animals, who I imagine just kind of like wandered around. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, they like they recovered them. They like yeah. get back in here. We we'll fix the train. Like it wasn't it wasn't like um. Now what was? It's losing my. I, it's losing my mind. Maybe I am. Yeah. But the um, when we discussed the uh, the train collision, the the flames burning everyone alive. Yeah. That actually really happened. Complete yeah, situation. Like a, that was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. And at the correct yep. the, the cemetery with the elephants. Yep. It wasn't like that. It wasn't okay. just like this complete oil lantern. It's just like the train fell off the track. Basically, and things got out, and then they like, where are we? Come on back. Yeah. This, this is the only home you, home you know, for better or worse. Get back in your cage. It's, come it's all you know your entire life. Right. Why run away now? Yeah, this is not the time for that. So again, those animals, they recovered them. Well, 
Most of them, anyways. Uh-oh. But the show must go on. So the circus left, leaving behind something they perhaps were okay with leaving behind, something that was an acceptable write-off, because it was no longer their problems, but the problems of the residents of Dixon County. Now, how many of these things escaped or were on board is anyone's guess. Rumor has it that they were billed as the Wild Men of Borneo. Interesting. Okay. But, but that act, that literal act with that name, was part of P.T. Barnum's cluster mess. Um, they were not on board. They were not part of the Corn Hog Circus. Okay. Go, go ahead. Oh, I just know that we had people zoos at this time. And that's oh, yeah, we totally about. had people zoos. Yeah. Yeah, not good. It's a bad thing to have. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird and kind of like not a good idea. No. Look at these guys. Oh, great. Yep. All right, show's over. Get in your cage. No, not good. Yeah. Bad stuff. A little weird. So did the Cornhog Circus, I'm just going to say Cornhog as much as possible. Okay. Um, But did Cornhog, um, that circus, have an equivalent act? I don't know. Maybe something similar? I don't know. Even so, um, despite freak show billing and hype, the wild men of Borneo were just people. It's just people. And what comes next isn't really how you'd find people. Or what you'd find people doing. First, there were reports of the strange howls and the screams. Okay. Animalistic. Noteworthy for how unusual they sound. Which, to bring things back to connect to the episode, is this the same creature as the White Bluff Screamer? Is this the real source of that whole tale that we told? Because in that tale, people thought maybe it's like a cat or something, or like strange stuff. But there was no other real backstory connected to it. But I mean, five miles away, who's to say? Great question. Pretty close, really. Very close. As far as anything. I mean, it's like right down the street, you know, like it's right over there. Now, these accounts are from the article Josh Arntz wrote in 2011 about Dixon's local folklore. Quote, where Highway 47 is now. This isn't a quote, but it's from the article. I summed some things up. Where Highway 47 is now, a few years after the crash, two men were traveling by wagon. So again, 1860s-ish. You know, traveling by wagon, you know, as you do. Sure, as one, you do. One was a local landowner, and the other was his hired helper. And I'm going to describe to you a story, and just for like, I don't know, for fun or like role-playing purposes, if you want to pick, do you want to be the local landowner in this scenario? Sure, I was going to be the wagon, but that's fine. Or you could be his hired hand. I'll be the landowner. Okay. Here we go. These two men were wagoning from the Burns area, perhaps stopping to gather water from a spring, of which there are many, near Hall Cemetery, when they noticed they were being watched, then stalked, then pursued by a ravenous beast. How ravenous? Because we're traveling by wagon right now. Yeah, so like... No one else is going to see what I'm about to do, and I'm going to regret it as soon as I do it. But imagine like this. Like, okay. So, re- and real fast. So my wagon's not going nearly fast enough. Your wagon is I'm not... going to start yelling at my hired help then, Correct. immediately. Hey, whip the horse. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. There's a thing back there. Make he, the horse go fast. And he's you like... see this thing coming? He's like, it's ravenous, he's like, and I'm having a bad time. He's like, I it's know. your fault. We're... We're both having a serious bad time. Nope, your fault. I'm beating this horse. I'm it's beat like you. if this Next. horse spoke languages, it'd be like, "Why?" and I'd be like, "Just go, beast." Yeah. Cuz when I talk to horses, I don't use complete sentences. That's just how you do. Anyways, to the best of their abilities, they tried to outrun the creature. But when the wagon's velocity failed them. I just feel like the wagon is just like a comically slow chase. <laughs> right. Yeah, basically just a single horse. 
pulling a fucking wagon. <laughs> and they're looking behind it. There's this beast with this, we'll just say, imagine a beast. Yeah. It's coming at you. Yeah. It's like all going like this. Yep. This is a good way to describe it for an audio method. But like, yeah, moving. you're just flailing your limbs. Thank you. I appreciate yep. that. He's coming. He's like mouth open, just like looking crazy eyes. You know, mm-hmm. here he comes. And he's like, come on. And the horse is like, nah. Yep. Oh, no. So when the wagon's velocity failed them, well, they bailed. I don't have any. Yeah. I don't have any <laughs> yeah, stories. You could probably run fast. <laughs> you <the> probably <laughs> could. <laughs> right. So like, no idea what happens to the wagon or the horse, but it's done. Um, we leave the horse, so the beast gets it, and it buys us time to escape. Well, because I am worth more to society than you, because I pay you, and I'm gonna kick your leg out if it gets close again. So let's keep moving. Like, well. He, you would have the opportunity to kick his leg out, but which is why I even gave you the choice because both guys bolt in two different directions. Ah, shit! So it's boom. My so backup plan vanished. We got a we got a beast who's got to make a choice, and you guys both head into the woods. And again, totally different directions. So, but being one monster, our insidious interloper had to choose his prey. And he gave chase to, well, I made you make the choice, so maybe you can seal your fate. Does the beast go after the hired help or the landowner? I mean, as the landowner, uh, I just assume I'm like, we're in the mid-1800s, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just a fat cat, so I'm slower, easier probably. Mm -hmm. I don't blame him. It's a smart choice. Well, who knows? Why the monster made his choice, but he chose your hired help. Oh. <laughs> Wipe this one off your brow. Wow, your brow. Fuck. Oh, there we go. Yeah, get All that peasant. Right. Oh, man. Get that peasant. Yeah. Good talks. <laughs> Start rooting him off. Go get him. Yeah, yeah go, go. Oh, I should be running. Yeah. Well, that's the choice the beast made. And the hired help screamed and begged for his life. But this monster did not spare him from his terror. The hired help vanished, and his remains were never found, which is what vanishing is. Good sentence. All the while, landowner, (laughs) all the while, the landowner heard the ripping and the tearing. And the gnashing and the... The gashing. The chewing. And the slashing and the bashing. And the chewing. Yeah, I'm gonna keep and moving. I'm gonna keep. Yeah, on I'm gonna keep moving. on moving. And he could do nothing to stop it. Perhaps, maybe. I mean, your landowner wouldn't have a pause. He'd be like, "Nah, I'm done." Definitely. Like that sucks. I'm out of here. I probably got five more minutes with this thing turns his attention to me. Yeah. I'm out of here. Well, but the landowner he lived to tell his tale. And tell his tale he did. News of his plight spread from Burns to nearby White Bluff and Smeedsville. Smeedsville. Yeah. What happened next? You know what happened next. We got a mess going. Let's go hunting party. Let's go. Quote. A posse gathered to find and kill the beast. Man, I wish we could just start posses. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that'd be cool. This thing in the wood, kid, it might have killed Dale. You sure he's dead? Fuck it, let's go find him. Yeah. You guys drunk? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got your guns? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. Boom. Monster excite. Wow. Monster excitement, stupidity syndrome, or mess, was in full effect. But perhaps this mess had a little less stupidity because they chose to bait the creature. As if they were feeding a captive Tyrannosaurus Rex. Okay. What does that mean to you? A goat? Mm -hmm. They anchored a goat in the middle of a clearing (laughs) (laughs) where their feral foe was known to traverse and took off into the woods using the buddy system, so in pairs, to surround the goat. It's good. Mm -hmm. I said surround the goat, but I also put to surround the goat snack. 
because that's what they hope he is, in hopes to blast their nocturnal nemesis apart. Hell yeah. Quote, a Sasquatch-like creature entered the clearing and headed straight for the goat. End quote. And straight for the goat it went. The mess squad then started blasting, munitions firing from the entire circumference of the clearing. Oh, were they in a circle around it? I mean, they said like they surrounded the goat. Another another take said like they put the goat there and then like they kind of hid in the woods. But I like to imagine like this firing situation. Okay, so do they shoot each other? They don't shoot, shoot okay, each other. So, they right. don't. But I mean, the point is the same observation you made, which definitely sounds dangerous and maybe stupid, especially in the darkness. Yeah. But yes, it does. <laughs> again, it might have been phrased one way in one story. The other, they just kind of hid behind trees. Okay. But they didn't hit each other. So, hey, no worries here. Did they get the Sasquatch-like creature? And they definitely shredded the creature, right? Okay. All right. Right? I like this. Well, they turned on their lanterns, excited to retrieve their prize. I don't like that. No, no one should. But after doing that, they discovered the monster, the goat, and two of their mess party had vanished. Uh. It grabbed the goat and two of the people. Okay. Yeah. That was not this a thing. This thing's got to be huge. It's, it's got to not mess around, right? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the goat, and you, you guys look. Yeah, I'm going to take you too. Yeah, I got breakfast, lunch, and a little, you know, little dessert here. Uh, the, this retelling does say Sasquatch, but that's not really what we're talking about here. It's kind of the only account that mentions the Sasquatch part. Okay. This thing isn't really a Sasquatch. I mean, it's big. It's a big humanoid thing, so that's why the Sasquatch element yeah. is kind of involved here. But I ain't talking about just a Bigfoot. Uh, we ain't just talking about a Sasquatch. At least that's not what the lineage or the history of the folklore focuses on. Okay. You see, due to stories like these, Hall Springs has taken on another unofficial name. Legends of giant, howling, bloodthirsty beasts have led people in a different direction. Now, after this debacle, a big game hunter joined the fray. He set out to slay this killer kidnapper. He set out to be this guy. One account I said like they paid a guy to come in to go get this thing. Regardless, this, he's here for he's here for the thing. He's here a, to do the thing. If it was a little bit later in the 1800s, I would have asked if it was Teddy Roosevelt. God, wouldn't that be amazing? Because he would definitely be hunting this thing. <laughs> a million percent. Yep. But who is this legendary monster hunter? Do we have a name? We don't have it. Well, I will say no. Okay. But just for now. Okay. Because, well, um, he decided that he was going to stay in a cabin near Hall Springs. And another story I had read summarizing this basic story said that, like, when once they paid him to come in here, they're like, hey, man, you can stay in this cabin that's right by the woods. And he's like, hell yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. So he stayed in this cabin near Hall Springs to try and deal the fatal blow himself. All right, so on the third night of his stay, he heard howls from the woods, our infamous hunter. Howls that crept closer and closer to the cabin, but still kind of stayed away-ish. He's out. There's a thing out there. Well, this cabin has windows, and windows you can see through. Sure. So he took aim from inside the cabin through one of its windows, and fired at the silhouette of the beast once it came into his view. But instead of downing the creature, he only pissed it off. It's a bad time. It is a bad time. Because it charged the cabin and bursted through its door. Yeah, that's a real <laughs> bad time. It escalated so fast. Wow. Yikes. I immediately regret my decision. Boom. Well, the hunter had braced himself for such a spectacle because I don't know if he expected it to get pissed or he was like, I got to be ready. So the hunter had braced himself for such a spectacle and began firing and firing at the monster that again had just busted through the cabin door um, that would have towered over him. But the man had anchored himself in the cabin's rafters. 
Okay. So, got some. He's got some ability. He's lofty. Very much. Absolutely. Very lofty. Mm-hmm. In many ways. Yep. Now, the man expended all of his ammo except for two rounds in his pistol. The ferocious fiend tried to eviscerate the man. Yeah. And surely would have had the sun not risen and scared the creature away. He's scared of the sun? He was like, oh. He didn't like it. Hmm. To hunt the most dangerous game a different day, which, of course, is man. So the monster, he left that day. He just, luck of the draw, sun came up. I forgot my sunscreen. Like, ah, <laughs> scary. <laughs> my eyes. I'm inside. Yeah. And it still hurts. Yikes, it's like these windows. It's an old cabin. Somebody it's... broke the window with a shock blast. <laughs> I can't. It hurts. I thought I was indoors, but now I'm just suffering. Don't look at me. I'm hideous. He's very self-conscious. He's a self-conscious monster. As Yeah, that makes sense. Checks out. Yeah. Feels appropriate. Uh, this monster was also allegedly responsible for the disappearance of the young girl who had wanted to get water from Mall Springs. Now, so what is this monster supposed to be? What do the locals think this monster is? Um, a giant man-like, howling, night-stalking beast with a voracious appetite who, again, was easily angered. I mean, this these things had people thinking a certain way. Yeah. Now, Hall Springs, like I had said, has a different name. An unofficial name based upon these stories. So what kind of creature did they think... Th- did the locals think? I've left out a few descriptive things because those stories didn't actually contain those things, but this is what it is called. The different name of Hall Springs, well, its name is Werewolf Springs. Oh, okay. Right? What kind of creature were you thinking about? Because they don't tell many details in these stories, but it is notoriously, from what I've read, Werewolf Springs. Well, I mean... The one story saying it was a Sasquatch uh-huh. immediately had me thinking of a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. But when you say the sun stuff, then that makes more sense. Right. Kind of plays more into it. Yeah. And they don't mention full moons, but like. But you know, you don't see werewolves during the day. No, you don't. They don't do that. It's not right. their thing. And we're all talking. We. Hmm. And we are talking about the wolf-like man monster. Or the lineage of wolf-like man-monsters who escaped from the circus train. Who may have learned to live in an area with plenty of fresh water and a surplus of wild game. There may very well be lichens in these parts. The werewolf, or werewolves, are supposed to live in the caves along the springs. One being in Creech Hollow, where several animal bones have been found scattered about. Now... School teacher Sam Brown had recanted these stories to Joshua Arntz for his Dixon Herald article. Um, it's a major point. Like, like that article took like I guess that was local folklore that wasn't like documented, and like kind of put it out there in like 2011 so more people could know about it. Uh-huh. It'd be like if a podcast heard a story about like a hayride monster and like broadcast <laughs> it to the world. <laughs> yeah, just you know, something like that. Similar to that, you know, I don't know who would do that, but. Hypothetically. Um, But as a Cub Scout, Sam had even hiked around a cabin in the park. Now, Sam Brown worked for the park for 23 years and had said all that remains of the cabin now is an outhouse. With the land around it looking to have repeatedly hosted crops at some point, it had been plowed. But this cabin is like supposedly the cabin where the hunter had hung out at as he was blasting the beast. Mm -hmm. As far as other details of the story... Iron Master and namesake, Mont, you know, part namesake, Montgomery Bell, um, is said to be the uh, landowner whose wagon was attacked and whose hired hand was murdered. But the train crash allegedly happened in the night in the 1860s, and Bell was well underground and dead by 1855. Or was he? Hmm, interesting. I like that development. Also, the train tracks near McNair Cut were not completed until after the Civil War, 
Um, and during the war, they were used. They weren't used for civilian things. You know what I mean. So they weren't being used by any circuses. For circuses. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but other train derailments in Tennessee around the same time could have contributed to that part of the legend. Things get mixed together. Yeah, folklore is a wild thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sam Brown even had his own strange encounter. He recanted for the Dixon article, as described by Joshua Arnst. Quote. He was working security at the inn on a cold winter night prior to retiring from park duty in 2004. He heard the quote, a quote from the article, which is what Sam Brown said, the most blood-curdling scream, quote from a wild animal at 1 a.m. while checking doors behind the inn. He noted the sound appeared to come from the edge of the lake, 150 feet away. Despite the sound... Brown never saw any animal he couldn't explain while working at the park. And that's like screamer stuff, right? There's, there's something out there that's wild. What is that? Yeah. Werewolf. Now, I'm getting to a point where I'm going to read you some stories that I found on the internet. I've heard of it. The internet. You have? Yep. Um, this store, this uh, website is bluffwatch.tripod.com. Dot com. Okay. And it's got several haunted stories. And this story that I'm about to read to you mm-hmm. um, was told by Rachel and Brian. That's all the info I have. Cool. It shed some light on the little girl story um, where she kind of went missing. But let's just say it, it, it goes in a direction. Like it's, 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 after retelling the circus crash incident, which they say happened in 1856. Perhaps they decided to include that. But even that, even that date, Bell's already dead, so I don't... Anyways, again, like you said, folklore is a wild thing. Yep. Um, so, in reference to the, the story where the girl goes missing, um, they begin this tale. Annabelle, six, and Morgan, eight years old, went to Hall Springs to get their daily supply of water. It was really not necessary for them to go. It just says necessary to them, but again, submission. Let's read it how we go. It really was not necessary for them to both go down to the spring. They made a wager. Whoever made it to the trail first got to wait back while the other fetched the water. Todd, of course. Todd? Was Todd sick? What are we... Just bear with me here. Um, Todd, of course, being older and faster, won. Why is the name Morgan there? But I just took it. There's a brother and sister, Annabelle and Todd. Okay. Okay, just bear with that. All right, so anyways, Annabelle and Todd. Um, Todd, of course, being older and faster, won. Annabelle, losing graciously, went down to the spring as promised in the wager. Todd waited for about half an hour and went to find young Annabelle, knowing she had a wandering mind and liked to pick wildflowers daily for their mother. Who doesn't? I mean, it's just a fun thing to do. Hey, my eyes, some wildflowers. Yeah. Put these in a vase. Water and make them look nice. Or else. Or, right, <laughs> just saying nice things with a mean tone, you know? <laughs> yeah. These look beautiful, don't they? Yeah, put them up nice so I can look at them. All right. When he went to the spring, there's that little Annabelle's pail. But no Annabelle in sight. Huh. Annabelle! Annabelle! Todd yelled. Where have you ran off to this time? Anne, we need to get back. I will tell Mom you know. Around three hours later, quote over, around three hours later, Annabelle's father came searching and found young Todd Cold and shivering, tears froze to his pale face. Quote, Dad, I am so sorry. It's my fault. I should have never let her go alone. Edward, the father, comforted his son, looked, and headed back to town to form a search party. Mm -hmm. Around 30 men went on the search party that night. They searched all night, and there was no trace. The only thing ever heard was an unusual howl in the distance. They kept this up for four straight weeks. The howl? 
Oh, I think they're searching, but maybe the howl too. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. They kept looking for about a month. Men grew hard hat. Hmm? Men grew hard hearted and tired. But that night, something was different. A shrill was heard off in the distance. Young Simon Hall was missing without a trace. Mr. Edward Morgan. That's the last name. Now it makes sense why it was written in a weird way. Mr. Edward Morgan was a very persistent man. But with this loss, his relentless army was terrified and refused to enter into the woods. Still, every night and day, he and Todd searched for young Annabelle. Two months later, Mr. Edwards came back from the woods alone, covered in blood from head to toe. Yelling and screaming of a wolf human that had took his child away from him. No, Todd! In silence, he remained for two weeks, locked in his cabin, alone, and being accused of killing his children himself and becoming crazy. Sounds kind of like the guy from the White Bluffs screamer. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. Absolutely. Very similar. 100%. And there's a lot of places in here where there's like no commas, so I'm interjecting commas, because otherwise there'd be some... Run-ons. Wild, yeah. No pauses, just wild stuff being said here. Um, eventually, he came out being almost a monster himself. Moved out of town into a cabin where the noises and disappearances had happened. Spending all his time hunting and mocking this monster. Well, <clears throat> Hey, bitch! Mocking a monster sounds a little bold. Right? You want to kill my kids? Fuck you! Ruin my life! Asshole. That's how I would mock a monster. I mean, that's not really mocking hard. Well, how would you mock a monster? I I don't know. Yeah, I'm I, just saying. <laughs> I mean, that's just like yelling at it, though. Like, not necessarily mocking. It's sort of like insulting it, or like, you think you're so tough, you just kill the people I love. Yeah. That's it, just taunting. Yeah, that's taunting. So that's like a weak taunt, too. So it's like be, jeering. Well, he wasn't having a good day. <laughs> okay. He wasn't as drunk that day. All right. Spending all of his time hunting and mocking this. You big furry hairball. You think you're so tough? You're just a man dog. You're scared of the sunlight. Yeah, oh, boo-hoo. Oh, my God. What are you going to get sunburned? Oh, it's oh. okay for plants. We're not a big, scary monster. Yeah, there you go. Now we're mocking. That's true. <laughs> oh, I'm big and tough and can kill anything that comes in my path. Oh, look at me. Oh, it's getting a little more sarcastic there. It's a little too close to home. <laughs> Yikes. Well, remember when I said, like, the hunter didn't have a name, but, like, you know? Yeah. um, Well, not the same story, but eventually, persuading the well-known French werewolf slayer... Hell yeah, let's get that guy involved. ...is no good Calife, or Calife... Man, if I could show you how this is spelled, it would be a wild time. Is no good Khalifa? Basically, I-Z-N-O-G-O-U-D. Okay. Is no good, is no goud. Sure. I is no goud. Yep. And then Khalifa, C-A-L-I-F-E. Khalifi? Is no good Khalifa? Khalifi. We're going to stick with that one. Sure. But how many times do we read a story where like, well-known French werewolf slayer. Sure, man. All right. I wish it was in more stories than I, I read. I, I agree. Is no good Khalife. I'm supposed to say his name is no good. That's what I'm going to do. That's what it sounds like. Okay. Is no good Khalife to come to rid the town of this monster. Showing up about a year later. Jesus, man, where's he at? Showing up. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's coming all the way from France. From French. From French. Yeah, all the way from French. There's a lot to do in between here and French. Yeah. Um, a year later of the three disappearances, Khalifa decided to stake out the area and told Edward if he did not return in four days to mail in the record of his death to his mother. Three days later, you see, three days later, Khalifa returned to the cabin without any sight of any leads to a werewolf living in this area. Yeah, I was here a year ago. It took you a long time. Yeah, where were you? (laughs) Famous werewolf hunter from France. Nowhere near this area. Opening the door, almost fainting in shock and repulsion. Blood smears, horrid 
I'm just gonna okay. I'm just gonna read you the sentence how it's written. This is a sentence. Okay. Opening the door, almost fainting in shock and repulsion. End sentence. Blood smears, horrid smells, maggots and flies. End sentence. <laughs> okay. Oh, but Mr. Edwards' body nowhere to be found. Okay. Sounds grotesque. So three days later, Khalifa returned to the cabin without any sight of any leads to a werewolf living in the area. Opening the door, almost fainting in shock and repulsion, blood smears, horrid smells, maggots and flies. But Mr. Edwards' body nowhere to be found. Reading it that way makes more sense. Periods are commas. Fine. Finding a small blood track, it led him to a nearby cave where he discovered 17 dismembered carcasses. Oh, that's a lot of bodies. That's a lot of bodies, man. So dismembered, some not even recognized as human. Wow, what is that? That's just like pieces. I mean, it could be animals too, though. That's true. This was the beginning of Khalif's four-year quest to capture this foul beast, and finally one night found the beast feeding at the springs where he supposedly received his immortal powers. That's cool. (laughs) There's a lot going on there. Yeah, there's a shit ton going on there. He finds a... Do you you got this, or do you want me to say it again? You got it? No, it... Seemingly immortal werewolf is found feeding at the spring that gave it its supernatural powers and is no good. Has finally tracked it down. Amazing. Because I read it where like in this situation is no good got like immortal powers. Oh. I switched the hisses in my head. Your way is a better course for a story. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Okay. So the spring gives the werewolf immortal powers. Then he, because it just, it, the way it's written interchanges like his and he, and we don't know who we're talking about here. Because he fired and fired, not even flinching. The werewolf lunged at Khalife, and in mid-leap, the sun rose. There it is. And the beast fled. I thought it was going to be his demise. No. The beast jumps like, sun! Yep. And he's out. And the story just ends with police reports confirm 47 mysterious disappearance and 20. It's just not disappearances. It's just disappearance. Um, 47 mysterious disappearance and 23 repulsing human carcasses. The number of animal carcasses exceeding 500. Damn. That was the end of one story. We got two more left. A report from the same site. That is uncredited. My husband spent several years in this area. Gum Branch or Lime Clin Road in Burns as a child. And he has witnessed several dead calves and perf- with perfect holes the size of grapefruits cut in their stomachs with the insides pulled out. He also remembers seeing a huge footprint in a muddy spring. His grandmother, who also grew up in the area... He used to tell tales of a terrible screaming sound she would hear sometimes when walking home from school. She would tell of other family members who had strange happenings slash encounters. It was in the fall. September, I think. Of 1986. Now, there should be a comma here. Because my husband daughter is not a thing you call someone. (laughs) (laughs) It makes it ask a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My husband, daughter, and I were hiking in the woods and pasture land east of Cambridge. Also known as Lime Kiln Road in Dixon County. It was just before dark and we were coming out of the woods into a pasture. Right on the line of the woods and pasture, approximately 40 feet away from us, there was this whitish, cream-colored, monkey-like creature crouched down, looking towards the pasture with his back to us. Okay. It must have heard us walking, because it immediately stood up and spun around to face us. It must have been seven to eight feet tall. Oh. Yeah, it's a big beast. 
We started, yeah, it's a big boy. We stirred it and it stirred at us for about five seconds. Now, honestly, that sounds like a very long that five seconds. That sounds like eternity. It's like when you're staring at something, you know, like that. Like, oh, what the fuck? Three, two, one. Let's turn around. Yeah, we done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're done here. You know, we're out. It was as if we were all afraid to move, which I think it includes like the creature. It was just like locked into it. It's like, uh, well, yeah, deer caught in the headlights. It's like, oh shit, I was just eating this roadkill. I didn't yeah. expect anybody to walk yeah. up on me. Just trying to enjoy my dinner. What are you doing? Yeah. Then the creature bolted back into the woods, but it kept looking back at us. Just like doing one of these. Are, are they following? Hey. Oh, are they following? You here? Hey, you coming? You better not be coming. I have never seen anything on two feet run that fast or have such long strides. Its arms and legs were very long, and its whole body was covered in the cream-colored fur. The next day, we went back to the site and hung some potatoes in a nearby tree. Okay. You like that? Yeah. How many monster stories have you heard where they're like, we're going to hang some potatoes in a tree? He can't resist potatoes. There's no way. When we checked a few days later, the potatoes had not been disturbed. What a weird test. Apparently not a fan of the potatoes. What a weird who, test. Would have, who would have thought? It's like, well, takes a mental note. Creature does not pay any attention to potatoes. I love potatoes, so I don't know why what's wrong with potatoes, but this guy's not a fan, so I don't know. He doesn't like it. The problem is he maybe should have hung, they should have hung some french fries. Potatoes, boil them, mash them, uh, stick them in a stew, fry them. Hash browns. Hash browns. If you saw hash browns in a tree, would you, like, think about at least taking them? I mean, they smell good. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'd be into it. And then if I saw a tree that grew hash browns, I'd be like, what a weird world. What a wonderful world. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cooked hash browns that come out, like, nice and brown. <laughs> yeah, they're still warm. Yeah, that's a magical place. That would be a great place. Do you put ketchup on your hash browns? No, I'm not a fucking monster. All right, good. Nobody here does that. Then thank God. Ketchup's gross. Thank God nobody does that here. Yeah, you better, you better keep that up. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, nobody here does that. Why would nobody would just lather hash browns with ketchup and just like sit down and savor it every morning? Ketchup's. You can stay out of here with your ketchup. I mean, that's all right. We don't need to give it. I'm just saying, like if that if I had like a hash brown tree next to a ketchup plant. Some person would be okay with that. <laughs> right. Not not in this house. Because he'd go like this. He'd be like, gang squirt, yum. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's how I enjoy my tree-grown hash browns. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I mean, somebody, maybe not. I'm not saying it's me. It wasn't talking about me this whole time. And finally. That's the end of that story. <laughs> okay. it's, that's just how it ends. They threw potatoes in a tree. He didn't touch it. The end. There's like a paragraph for like, oh, there's spooky things in the area, but like, what a weird... Fine. Again, uncredited on a random site. Worth sharing. Yeah. And finally, we are going to close with an excerpt from the cryptids.fandom.com article entitled The Werewolf of Werewolf Springs. This section takes us to the peak era of monsters. The 70s. 1973. What is up with this part of this decade? All I'm saying is, we have a podcast, we're talking about monsters. It's not like overly narrative. Each episode is usually contained to like, what each story is usually contained to one episode. But overarching plot, what is up with, like, 1972, 1973? I don't know. It's a weird thing. Era of the 70s. It's like every time. We're going to have to come up with a, a thesis on it at some point. I mean, I have some thoughts, but they're not for this episode. Because, like you said, we need to find, like, what, like, interdimensional, anyways, other stuff. 1973. Encounter... Which is probably some of the most one of the most detailed sightings, is this. Uh, colon. In Burns, Tennessee, 
During the summer of 1973, two children, a boy, age 8, and his stepsister, age 7, told their parents about seeing a dog man in their backyard. Okay. Okay. According to the children, they were playing in their backyard when they noticed a very large dog-like creature exit the tree line near their house. It was almost hairless. It was very thin and had exceptionally long legs for a dog-type animal. It walked on all fours. As the children watched, it approached a compost pile used by the family for disposing of food waste. It's a compost pile. Where it rummaged through the pile of scraps. It soon stood upright on its hind legs and used its front legs to dig into the pile. The children say that instead of having paws on its front legs, it had stubby hands with definitive and individual fingers. It dug into the pile, pulling out items, which it held up to its snout to smell. It ate some of the items it retrieved from the compost pile. The children claimed that the cryptid brought the food items directly to its mouth, like a person eating, and never lowered its snout down to the food items to eat, like a dog or wolf eats. The children said they soon began whispering to each other about the creature, and only at this time did the creature seem to realize that the children were present. It stared at them for a long moment, as if studying them. They said it turned back towards the tree line, still standing upright and ran away in its hind legs in the same direction from which, uh, from which it came. The children said they weren't frightened while it simply scavenged the compost pile, but when it turned and looked directly at them was when the encounter turned scary. Watching it as it ran away upright and swinging its arms back and forth, which, my God, can you just imagine that? Yeah, no. <clears throat> Pass. I mean, it seems like a more spastic uh, version on that classic Bigfoot video. Right. Yeah. It looks like it goes around. It's, but it's got all swinging like, arms. It's like, 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 like yeah. get me out of here, it says to its own body. I'm gotta, I gotta get out. Yeah. Evacuate. Pump your arms. Eject. Makes your legs pump go, faster. Go, Let's go. Physics, do it. Swinging its arms back and forth in opposition to its legs. How a person runs to maintain their balance. So yeah, it's just running in all awkward ways. Was also frightening. And that's the end of that sighting. Pretty creepy. So, uh... Yeah, add that destination to the list. Werewolf Springs. Good old Dixon County, Tennessee. Yeah. It's a wild one. Yeah. I stumbled upon that one and the White Bluff Screamer at the same time. And I was like, well, these are two individual things, but like, there's all this and there's all this. Oh, yeah. But you got a cemetery you can go to. I mean, we've talked about this before. Cool state parks to go to with haunted stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, only a half hour away from Nashville if you want to enjoy the city. Oh, yeah. That seems like a cool place to go. Yeah, seems like a good time. A lot of fun stuff. Werewolf Springs. Yeah, Werewolf Springs, yeah. Caves and stuff. Caves are creepy. Very much so. And like, down by the bottom of the springs, and like, these springs are like, very crisp and pristine from everything I've read. Like, you can even see them like, bubbling up, because like, they go down and they come up, and there's all these interwoven, and a lot of things mentioned, who knows how many like, of these caves are connected to, like, who knows like, what kind of network of things are going on down there. Right, and a fun thing to look up, fun, uh, is it pops up on the internet every once in a while, is the uh, overlapping of the North American cave systems and the missing people's reports. Oh, shit, right. They are wildly similar, and that's a little creepy. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, shoot, I hadn't done that. Maybe we should do that after we're done recording to see if this, how it connects with... Good old. Yeah, we could look it up. Be, that would be wild. Because, like, again, like a folklore, people could have heard things about trains falling over and, like, these howls in the woods. Because there was one article I read, which I don't really pull from in here. Um, 
but it talks about how like somebody went to go like scope out the area and have fun and they basically just heard like a bunch of coyotes being crazy so like again wild screaming from the woods right wild coyotes being insane yep which gives rise to an entire like werewolf story which like okay but I'm here for it so yeah cool place whenever we make that network of places we can travel like Tennessee is still midwestern enough if we decide to go on a long type of trip that could be part of a loop yeah it's not too far it's just far enough that like it's it's doable right? it's doable yeah. but it's a uh, we're looking at at least a weekend like correct for that because I think Tennessee Nashville is probably about seven hours from here mm-hmm. yeah which and, and again if we're doing that if like there's you know, the weird and feared road trip, like anything on the way is getting stopped at, so that's taking some time. Yeah, because we're trying to figure out where Jardinera comes from. You, know, that's also the the hidden. <laughs> it's actually, at, actually. The, the hidden motivation of the entire podcast. Yeah. is you know the outreaches of Jardinera. Yep. Was that talked about on an episode or just behind the veil? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's last, a reason. It was last week. There's a, there's a listen. There's a reason to listen to behind the veil. Yeah. How how far does <laughs> the Jardinera wave spread? Yeah. It's important. It is important. Do werewolves like Jardinera? I don't know. Huh? Jardinera? I don't know. I don't know. It's a bunch of letters together. If, That's how If you're listening and you don't know what Jardinera is, email you're, us. You're not from... Yeah, email us at weirdandfreepodcast at gmail.com. If you are Jardinera, um, let us know at... <laughs> if you're a sentient Jardinera, well, why do you taste so good? Yeah. Uh, let us know at anchor.fm slash weirdandfeared. You can leave us a voice message. Um, but follow us on the uh, the social medias. Main one is the Instagram because, like, that's where we're at yep. um, most of the time. And then you can obviously support us, please, on the uh, patreon.com slash weird and feared where, again, we talk about the outstretch of Jardinera <laughs> <laughs> and how far it goes. Yeah, um, and other stuff. And a lot of a lot of other stuff, for sure, Absolutely. Um, and then leave us a review. I mean, all these things, you, you know what to do. Re- leave us a review where you get your podcast, Apple, um, you know, Please podcast. do. It it's helps the cool. show a lot. So It does. It helps, you know, bounces it up and moves it around. So it gets the eyeballs to the earballs so that people can hear our monster stories. Yep. Um, but yeah, otherwise, guys, just, you know, enjoy yourselves. Respect each other. Watch out for werewolves. Watch out for werewolves. Yeah. And stay... Spooky. Yeah, stay spooky.